Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. If you were here last week, you know that we talked about keeping the thief out. There's only one place the thief should be, and that is out, not in. We want to keep them out. But in the Bible, God teaches us that there are certain doors, certain things or actions that we can do consciously or unconsciously where you open the door to the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, last week, that the Bible tells us, don't give place to the devil. Don't let him in. Tell the person next to you, don't let the enemy in. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to come in. He wants to take over. He wants to push you to do evil things. And in John 10.10, it tells you why we should keep the thief away. And it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's a reason why we got to keep the thief away. It's because he comes to pillage. He comes to steal from you. He comes to take life and abundant life that God wants to give you. So he comes to steal, he comes to destroy, destroy your dreams, destroy marriages, destroy all kinds of things, and then eventually to kill you because he has no mercy. Until he doesn't see you down and out, he's not going to give up. So the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then we see the other, we talked about the two kingdoms, right? The kingdom of darkness, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then the kingdom of light that Jesus said in that same verse, I have come So that you may have life and have it to the full. Another version says have it abundantly. So we see the contrast here. So how many of you guys want the thief to come steal, kill, and destroy? Raise your hand. Nobody, obviously. How many of you guys want to live life and live it abundantly? So we have to do certain things to keep the thief out. Because that's his objective. He just wants to come in. So we talked last week about the occult. How certain things in the occult, when we start tapping into things unknown, things that have to do with the occult, and, and some of them it's pretty, you know, hardcore stuff. You know, when we talk about witchcraft and brujeria, and you're like, well, I never got into that stuff. I don't mess with that stuff. But sometimes there's, there's popular ways of getting into the occult. You know, we talked a little bit about playing the Ouija board, you know, reading the horoscope. Oh, let's see what the horoscope tells me. That's a way of tapping into the occult. When you do that, you're opening the doors to demons. Same way there are angels of good, there's demons of evil, right? They're fallen angels. And if you weren't here last week, you could check out the podcast. It'll be up this week, sometime this week, to catch up on that. But today I want to talk about a second door. This door is a strategy that the enemy uses to be able to come in many people and steal, kill, and destroy. And it's with traumas. I want to talk to you today about traumas, more so emotional traumas. Traumas are emotional wounds caused by the mistakes of others. And I wrote down a few of them here. For example, maybe some of you guys are familiar with some of these. Rejection. We've been probably rejected by people, sometimes even with close family members, people that we love. Neglect, abandonment. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, even sexual abuse sometimes, betrayal, teasing, humiliation, discrimination. And what happens is that if these emotional wounds are not healed, they become a door through which demons can enter through unforgiveness. When people do you wrong 
and you don't forgive right away, you're opening a door. And I'm going to prove it to you through the Bible. You're opening the door and it's like saying, hey, come on in, steal, kill, and destroy me. In essence, that's what you're doing. I know it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes we think that if somebody hurt us, you know, to hell with him, I'm going to take it to the grave. He doesn't deserve or she doesn't deserve my forgiveness. But it's not a matter of them. It's a matter of you. Forgiveness has nothing to do with that person. It has everything to do with you and with me. With the person that's willing to forgive or not willing to forgive. So we can op be opening doors to demons that come and bring insecurity. Spirits of evil that come and bring uh, spirits of rejection, of loneliness, of self-pity. Uh, you victimize yourself because of all these things and these wounds that weren't healed. Uh, these doors can later lead to other things. You try to satisfy these things with, with alcohol, with alcoholism, with, with sex, with violence, with lust, with all these things, right? So sometimes when, when we think about somebody that needs to be set free, we think about, you know, maybe a person that's a horrible sinner. Or they've been sinning all their life. They do crazy things. They, they kill people. Um, but usually the people that need freedom don't necessarily need to be people that are really sunk deep in sin. It's just people, common people like you and me, good people that we just didn't know or haven't been instructed through the word of God to know what to do when we're hurt. So that's what we're here to do today. Also, talking to the parents, you know, as parents, we got to be very careful in the words that we speak to our children. Uh, this is one of the things that having small kids, small children of my own, I have to tell myself constantly, you know, be encouraging. Even when they make mistakes, correct them, but with encouragement, not to bring them down, not out of rage, because sometimes we can say phrases like, oh man, you're, you're useless, or, or you're such an imbecile, or uh, you'll never amount to much in life. Sometimes as parents, in a moment of rage, we can say things like this, dumb things like this, and, and our kids, our children are like sponges. They absorb everything. So when you start saying, I can't stand you, or you're not my son, or one of these days you're going to come home and I'm not going to be here, these are things that cause abandonment, that cause deep wounds in our heart and if we don't know how to take them to Christ they could persevere and they could stay there for a long time so there's only one way to be set free from trauma we're talking about <coughs> excuse me we're talking about keeping the thieves out how can we keep them out of our lives so that we can live an abundant life and one of them is closing the doors to these traumas how can we do it and there's only one way to be able to heal trauma and it's something that we preach here time and time again, and it's just one word. It's forgiveness. Tell the person next to you, forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's a big word. And there is no other way. If we don't forgive, you're just opening up the door to the thief that comes to what? Come on, church. Steal. Help me preach. Steal, kill, and destroy. So go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I promised I'd prove this to you through the word of God. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15 says this. If you forgive those who sin against you or who hurt you or who offend you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Join me now in Luke chapter 6, 37. It says something very similar. 637 of the book of Luke, it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. 
Don't condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. That's what we call conditional statements. All right? Conditional statements. It means that if I do something, that action that I did, it's going to produce something. It's going to have an effect. So it's saying that if I forgive others, then I can receive forgiveness of God. Yeah, but pastor, the Bible says that Jesus' blood shed on the cross is powerful to cover multitudes of sin. Yes, but you can be voiding and canceling that power when you don't release forgiveness to those that offend you. When somebody does something wrong to you, and you're like, oh yeah, it's just that I'm the type of person that I need to stay with it and meditate for weeks before I forgive the person. You know what? It's going to be a messed up week. Because you're opening the doors through unforgiveness to spirits that are coming to just steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that how should we forgive? It gives you a formula. It says before the sun sets, or better yet, before you lay your head down and you call it a day, if you have any beef with anybody, if you have anything or anyone that you need to forgive, get it off your chest and forgive the person. Now I know, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, but I know some, some wounds are deeper than others. I mean, I could tell you something, it offends you, and you know, it's not a big deal. We brush it off. But I know that there's some wounds that only through the power of the Holy Spirit could you forgive. And we'll get through that because we do have the Holy Spirit to help us do that. Sometimes it's, it's not just, you, you don't have to have the power to forgive. You just have to have the decision. Make up your mind to say, I'm going to decide. And then watch God do the rest. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But here's the problem. The problem why sometimes it's hard for us to forgive is because sometimes we think we're better than other people. Has it happened to you that, you know, somebody could have fallen to the same sin or made the same mistake as you, but it looks so small on you, but it looks so big on them. It's like we maximize other people's failures, but then when, when we fall in the same pit, we justify ourselves, yeah, yeah, but it's just that, oh, come on, what else can I do? I had to lie, but I had to do it. But then when somebody else lies, you know, oh, my gosh, how could he do that? And, and on somebody else, it's just, it looks like a little speck in your eye. When we, I'm sorry, when we sin, it looks like a little speck. But when other people sin, it looks like a huge log or a trunk on someone else's. So speaking about this forgiveness, I want to share a parable that I really love. And Jesus shared this. He taught it when he was walking on earth. And he taught it just to be able to emphasize this particular subject that we're talking about, about healing, traumas, forgiveness, and whatnot. And I want you to join me in the book of Matthew chapter 18. Beautiful parable. You guys should highlight this on your Bible. Study it during this week. If you, go, if you don't go to life group, you got to get a life group this week so you guys could, you know, talk a little bit about it and have community and, and fellowship. But Matthew 18 verse 23 says this, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Everybody say 10,000 talents. Okay. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had 
and that payment be made, sold as slaves. Back then, when you had a debt that you had to pay and you couldn't pay it on your own, the person that you owed money to had the right to bring you in and purchase you as a slave, and you had to work in their household until you pay off your debt. And in this case, it was such a great debt, as we'll see in a bit, that it was not just him. It was him, his wife, his kids, his whole family. Slaves. So this guy's freaking out. Verse 28 says, The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and I want, to, I want to emphasize that point, released him and forgave him the debt. Released him and forgave him the debt. Now, let's talk numbers here. How many of you guys like math? Raise your hand. How many of you guys don't like math? All right, let me break it down for you. It's talking about this man. There's this king, and the kingdom of God is like this. This king had a lot of people that owed him money, and he started saying, hey, listen, I got I to gotta close these accounts. Who owes me the most money? So they brought him this guy. Look, this guy owes you 10,000 talents. Just so that you know, one talent is 80 pounds of pure gold. It was the largest measure of, and value of money and the largest measure of value of anything. So it's estimated that in today's time, one talent is worth approximately $1.4, $1.5 million dollars. One talent. How many talents did he own? 10,000. Do the math. I've already done it for those that don't hate math or for those that hate math. 15 billion with a B dollars. Is that a lot of money or what? So here's the king. The king is settling accounts and he comes and, you know, obviously you're going to start with who owes you more. Who owes me more? Bring them over. And this guy's at Jeff Bezos type, right? Warren Buffett, uh, Bill Gates. I mean, this guy has a lot of money. Uh, but he owes $15 billion. I don't know what he did to owe that much money. But here's the king, and he's telling him, listen, you got to pay me. Pay up. $15 billion. And the guy said, listen, I, I don't have it. <laughs> so the king says, well, you know what? You know what the law says? You're going to come work for me. And not just you, your wife, your children. So I want you to check this out. This guy owes a lot. Understand this and, and discern this spiritually. He owes a lot. So he bows down and he says, oh, please, I promise I'll pay you everything. I'll do everything you can. Please have mercy on me. He begged them. And the Bible says that this king, representative of our king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ, was moved to compassion. Everybody says was moved to compassion. So he has compassion. He sees this man laying his... And, and, and for a minute, he, forgives, he forgets about the $15 billion and he sees a person. And the Bible says he does two things, which really ministered to my life. He released him. Because he had to be a slave. He didn't have the money to pay back. So, you know, he had to be a slave in the household. But he released them. He said, listen, you're, you don't belong to me anymore. You're free to go. Number one, he released them. But not only did he release them so that he could work and pay off his debt, he says, and forgave him the debt. How many of you guys would like for all the debt that you have right now to be forgiven? Just uh, get a letter from the IRS and say, listen, forget it. We paid off your mortgage. We paid off your car loan. We paid off this. We paid off your credit cards. We paid off. That's it. Zero. Fresh start. How many of you guys would like that? Right? Imagine $15 billion. What would you do? 
what would you do if you get that letter tomorrow? What's it? I'd celebrate. I don't know. I'd call a few friends and say, hey, let's go. Let's party. I've been re- relieved of all this debt, $15 billion. But look what he does. In verse number 28, story continues. But that servant, he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. One denarii was equal to one day's labor for, an, for a person that worked the field. So call it $500, I'm sorry, $50, $100. So this guy owed him $5,000, or call it maximum $10,000. Put it on a scale, $15 billion compared to $5,000. $5,000 is like a tip for somebody that has $15 billion kind of money, right? So he finds this guy that owes him 100 denarii. And he laid hands on him, not to pray, all right, and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, did the same thing that he did before the king. And he begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not. I want you to compare both of these scenarios. The king was merciful. But this guy would not. But went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Verse 31 says, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then the king, his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion of your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Then it says something interesting, verse 35. It says, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now listen, this, is, this parable is for us. He's giving a story, but the lesson to be learned is for you and for me. So what were you thinking when, when I told you about this guy that had received such a forgiveness of $15 billion, and now he doesn't want to pass on a forgiveness of $5,000? What, what do you call a person like that? What would you, doesn't that enrage you? Somebody had received so much, and somebody was so kind to that person, and then he can't extend the kindness I mean, I don't know, but it stirs my blood. It just, it boils my blood. I'm, this guy is unloyal. This guy, he's, he's greedy. He's an ingrate. He's, he's unmerciful. He's a greedy bastard. Doesn't God feel that way when we don't offend, when we don't forgive people when they offend us? After God has forgiven us our 15 billion sins. Because that's what the story is about. Sometimes we don't realize what it took for Jesus to hang on the cross. Because he, was, he wasn't paying for his sin. He wasn't paying for his mess ups. Whose sins and whose pains, and we're going to read it right now, what's Jesus paying for? Ours. Every messed up thing we've done. 
Now we come to church, we can worship him. We can believe and have access to his promise, to his power. We can live a supernatural life. We could be used by God by tr to transform people's life. As, as a matter of fact, we're called to do that. And all of that, why? Because of, because of God's forgiveness. Because he took our sins, which the wages for sins is death. We were supposed to be hanging on the cross. But Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go to the cross for him or for her. So that they won't have to die so that they can live an abundant life. And we have received this incredible mercy. We have been released. Just like this first guy. He was set free. Jesus, through his blood, when we gave our hearts to him, set us free from bondage. From bondage to sin. Not only did he set us free, but he paid the debt of our sin. He paid the debt. He didn't just free us, but he paid the debt. And now sometimes somebody comes and offends us and we have the audacity to say, I don't feel like forgiving you. Yet you have the right. You, you choose. You have free will to do whatever you want. But Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to live a life of abundance, before the sun comes down, if somebody, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful, if somebody did you wrong, make sure you go to bed with your heart free and that you set that person free. My prayer today is that we would have revelation because sometimes we don't forgive people because we don't understand the depths of God's mercy and love towards us. And once, I shared this a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, Apostle uh, Paul was praying, or I think it was Peter, and he's, he was praying and he says, when I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. And this is what, this is what his prayer is. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. When you understand God's love, when, when you have conviction and you pray and you start seeing God in a different way, you start seeing how merciful he is and how, how deep his love is. And he says, and may you have the power to understand, because you need power to understand a lot of things in Christian life. A lot of things is not just by reading a book. It comes from revelation, from getting to know a person. You see, you can't tell how much, I can't tell how much my wife loves me until I got to know her and married her and lived 15 years going on 16 now with her. Because time, relationship, it proves to me, being with the person, seeing their loyalty, seeing all these things, that's what tells me that that person loves me. So how can I know how much and to what point and how deep and how wide God loves me if I don't spend time with him, if I don't have a relationship? So this is what Peter's praying about, that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, and then you will be made complete and the fullness of life and power that comes from God. How many of you guys want the fullness of life? Come on. How many of you guys want fullness of power in Christ Jesus? Well, all this is available in relationship with God. You see, the more you get to know God, the more you understand his love for you. The more you understand how much he was willing to risk and give up because he loved you when we didn't deserve it. So when we understand that we've been forgiven like a $15 billion sin debt, how can we not forgive a 100 denarii 
offense that somebody causes us. And if you take that step today, if, if there's things in your life, and I believe one of the things I ask God is that as we talk today, that the Holy Spirit will bring to memory stuff people have done that you have kept inside and you haven't let go of. People that have done you wrong. Maybe even close people. Maybe things that you haven't even told anybody about because it was too painful or too shameful. That you've told yourself, I'm going to take this to the grave. I don't even want to hear that person's name mentioned because when you do, that's it. It ruins your day. And these are the things that we don't realize, but it's not affecting the other person. The other person doesn't even probably know how much harm they caused. You're the one that's suffering. You're the one that's opening the door so the thief can come to, come on, steal, kill, and destroy. Destroy what? Destroy your life. Destroy your peace. So if you take that step today, because it's simple, it's just a decision, saying, God, I surrender this to you. And forgive those who have offended you, even if they were the guilty party, that makes no difference. God can make you free today. Listen to me. The power of God is so strong that if you just say it, if you just say, I forgive, God can make you free today. Free. It doesn't matter how long it's been. And you, you see, the reason why God tells us to forgive quickly before the sun goes down is because when somebody did something to you today and you want to forgive it, it's like grabbing a sheet of paper and breaking it in half. Easy, right? Just a loose sheet of paper, you grab it and you break it in half. But every day that you continue harboring resentment and that you don't forgive that person, it's like adding another sheet every day. Y'all remember those 1980, 1990 phone books? Remember? The big old phone books. Well, some of you guys don't remember. but We used to get phone books once a year in our doorsteps. And they were like this. Try to break one of those phone books. Impossible. Impossible. It's too thick, too many. You can't even grip it. And that's how unforgiveness is when you let it accumulate. But the power of God through a decision can break any phone book, can break any curse when you make the decision. That's why I'm trusting God that today it's going to be an, an afternoon of forgiveness. I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that today through your confession and releasing forgiveness from stuff that people did a long time ago is going to just set people free. Some of you guys are going to feel weight coming off your shoulders, literally, that has been dragging. You know, because unforgiveness, what it does is it, give, it gives you baggage. It's like walking like, you, you can't do a 40-yard dash. It's not the same thing to run a 40-yard dash without anything than to put two book bags full of concrete inside, right? You know what I'm saying? You're going to be a lot slower. And some people are walking through life with a lot of baggage because of unforgiveness. And the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So how can God heal my wounds? Well, what we need to do is take every single painful experience every offense in the past and nail it to the cross isaiah 53 4 look what the word of god says yet it was our weaknesses that jesus carried speaking about when he was crucified it was our weaknesses that he carried not his it was our sorrows another version says our pain that weighed him down 
And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he did not have his own sins. When Jesus was suffering, how many of you guys remember that movie that, you know, was such a big deal when it came out, The Passion of the Christ, because it was so graphic. And I remember, you can't even tell Jesus' face. I mean, they, they did such a good job with the makeup and everything. And he, he looked like he was an unrecognizable. Experts say it was even worse than that. He was beat up, nailed to the cross. They forced the crown of thorns into his scalp. And, and they would beat him. They pulled his beard off from his, I mean, some messed up things. And all of those sufferings, all that thing that he went through, he was paying for our hurt. That hurt that you've been carrying for 20 years, he already took it. You're carrying it unnecessarily. You're carrying with pains from your past unnecessarily because Jesus said, hey, that, that's why I went to the cross. Bring me, bring me your pains. Bring me your sins. Bring me your physical pains too because how many of you believe that Jesus still heals physically as well? Yeah, have testimonies in my fa family, powerful testimonies of that. So Jesus heals not just physically but also emotionally. But you have to bring your wounds and take them to the cross. JTP Church, only Jesus can fill your life with what you lack. Only Jesus can fill your life with what he lacks. He told the Samaritan woman, you guys remember that story? He told her, if you drink that water that you came to look for, you're going to be thirsty again. If you keep looking, what he was trying to tell her is that if you keep looking for love in men, you already had four husbands, four divorces, now you have a fifth one. He's not even yours. He's stolen from somebody. What's the deal with that? Well, you're going to go with six and seven and eight. You're going to keep on trying to satisfy that with that water, with men, but you're not going to find love in that. If you try to fill your void with stuff, you'll be thirsty again. If you try to keep looking for love in men, you'll be thirsty again. If you try to counter rejection or abandonment or your father that told you, you never, you'll never be anything in life with working tirelessly, you know what? You'll feel thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I give, said Jesus, this living water, it's going to be like a spring coming from inside of you. And it's going to be so powerful that it's not only going to satisfy you. It's going to jump from within you and wherever it lands, it's going to bless other people. You're going to be able to tell other people about what God is going to do this afternoon here today about how God's going to set you free. Because that when, when Jesus gives you of his water, it's too much to be contained. You need to share it. You need to give it away. And the same, the same thing it produces in you, it's going to produce in all the people around you. As a matter of fact, one drink, and you will turn into a spring that will satisfy the needs of all those thirsty around you. Only Jesus can fill your lack. And I want to ask that everybody here stand on your feet. And as I was, as I was preparing this message, my prayer was that as we'd be talking that the Holy Spirit would bring to memory all the people that have done you wrong, all the instances that you've suffered, abandonment, neglect, pain, people that have done you wrong, stolen money from you, promised you the world and not come through, people that gossiped about you, 
people at work that just, for no reason, they just wanted you fired because <laughs> you were a threat to them. You were a better worker. So, And sometimes we harbor these things and we don't realize that what we're doing is we're opening up the door so the thief could come in and do what he only knows how to do, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's a reason why God left us his word. He doesn't want you to be stolen from. He doesn't want you to lose everything that he came to give you. So he says, hey, listen, forgive. And one day Peter, <laughs> Peter was funny. He came to Jesus and he said, well, Lord, so how many times should we forgive a person? Seven? And he, he threw a number out there. What I think is that Peter was trying to see if Jesus would be impressed by his number, saying, wow, how merciful. Jesus, wow. <laughs> Peter, seven times. I mean, three. I was thinking, but wow, you really are merciful. And Jesus told him, no, not seven. Seventy times seven. Each day. As a matter of fact, there's another portion in the scripture that it says, if a person comes and offends you seven days, seven times, the same day, but then they repent and they come to you, each of those times, accept the repentance. Now, this is a topic for another day, but you're not going to set yourself. If, if there's somebody around you that's toxic, you got to be wise and distance yourself from toxic people because you're, you're not a punching bag, right? So one thing is to forgive, and another thing is to set yourself and stay in a situation where all you're doing is getting hurt, 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 hurt. you gotta, you got to do something about that. But regardless, whenever you're hurt, you have to forgive. Because whenever you don't forgive, you're opening up the door so the thief can come in. So I want everybody here to close their eyes. And I want to close with this, what I mentioned at the beginning. Because sometimes people say, Pastor, I want to forgive, but I just can't. If you just knew what I feel, you just haven't been through what I've been. And maybe you're right. But what I've learned is that forgiveness is a decision. You don't need to be able to forgive. You don't have to have the power to forgive. You just have to make the decision to forgive because the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit, which is God living inside of us, gives us the power to be able to execute our decision. So even if you feel you can't today, even if maybe what happened to you was really, really deep, really, really painful, and you don't feel you have the physical ability to forgive what that person did, just make the decision to say, God, I can't, but I'm going to be obedient because I don't want the thief to come in. I don't want to walk with this anymore. So here I am. I'm doing my job. I want to forgive the person. Give me the strength to truly forgive him. And you know what's going to happen? The Bible says that in weakness, that's when God's power starts coming alive in us. Because as long as you feel strong, you don't need God's power. You got it. You can do it. But it's for those moments where you can't, that you are weak. You say, impossible, impossible. It's for those moments that God's power is needed. And that's when he comes in and he says, here, I, I got you. I am the source of strength. I am the source of peace. I'm the source of any resource 
you need. If you need strength to forgive, here I am. Here's my strength, and we're going to get through this because I already carried that pain on the cross, and I'm going to deliver you today. That's exactly what's going to go on today. So I, I ask that everybody close their eyes in this place, and Lord, I pray that right now in this instant that you would show each and every one of us the open doors of our lives, doors that gave the enemy permission to influence us, to, to bind us, speak to us, Lord. I pray that you show us what are the things that we opened our hearts to through unforgiveness. If God spoke to you today, this is the time to ask for forgiveness. This is the time to forgive those people that have offended you. We call that repentance in church lingo. Repentance. Keep the thief out. Releasing forgiveness for traumas you suffered in life. Forgive those who betrayed you, who belittled you, or even gone as far as to abuse you. Forgive them. I know it's difficult, but God knows how much you have suffered and the pain it has caused you. But forgiveness is the only way to be free and the only way to keep the thief out. So Father, I thank you for each person who is experiencing true deliverance right now through renouncing to their mistakes and confessing their sins. And this is what I want to do. Right there where you are, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to say with me, say if you have anything in your heart, if God ministered to you, if you have people that have done you wrong, right now I want you to say this out loud. Say, Lord, I forgive and mention the person. I forgive Peter for that time that he stole money from me and hasn't paid me back after five years. I forgive this person. I forgive, I forgive this person. I forgive that person that, that denied me or that didn't come through with their promises. Lord, I, I release forgiveness over that person in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you because as every single hand is going up and as people are releasing forgiveness right now, with their mouth, I declare that the power of the Holy Spirit now is granting strength to those that can't do it on their own. I thank you, Holy Spirit, because I believe that right now, as we pray, as we release forgiveness, that your Holy Spirit is granting that power to every single person. I also see in the spiritual realm how baggage is being broken off, how, how chains are being cut off, chains that were keeping us stagnant, keeping us from growing, that weren't letting us move forward. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare in the name of Jesus that those bondages are being broken. God, that right now and today we're taking all these all these things for which we have unforgiveness in our heart and we're taking them to the cross. All these ex past experiences, all these things that we've lived through and we've held in our heart and we haven't told anybody, God, and we haven't forgiven the person. God, we are taking it to the cross and by the power of Jesus' name, we declare, God, that you are setting people free right now. Come on, lift your hands up to the Lord. Can you worship him for a second? I believe the Holy Spirit right now is setting people free right now. I believe that the Holy Spirit is setting people free. You were angry and you didn't even know why you were getting angry or ticked off so much. And it was a door that you opened to the enemy. But the Holy Spirit is setting you free today through forgiveness. Through forgiveness. We are closing the door to the enemy. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation that is happening right now. Transformation that cannot be done by human power, but only through the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. If you feel
feel that something powerful.